Hello, everyone. Thanks for uh, listening to our podcast. Uh, This is your host, Giovanni Montenegro. I just wanted to give you a quick heads up. We're still getting a hang of some of our new uh, audio recording equipment, so there may be some moments of nice clarity in the audio. There may also be some other uh, pops and clicks in the audio. Um, We should be able to get this out of our next uh, upcoming episodes. Um, for now, if you if it's too much, please let me know. Uh, I'll try and do some more editing on it, but uh, hopefully it didn't mess up the whole episode. Still wanted to make sure you guys were able to listen, um, but please bear with us. We're going to be making some adjustments now that we've got some new equipment. We should be able to put out a better product for you guys in the future. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Seacoast Dynasty League Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we discuss the latest news in the NFL, everything that's going on in our league, and why Emilio never sets his lineups. This is the 2019 Offseason Podcast Series, Episode 1. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Seacoast Dynasty League Podcast. This is your host, Giovanni Montenegro. I've got with me uh, Ryan Carlton, the GM of Two Weeb for Me. And uh, our resident producer, Jake Beltran, the GM of the San Deasy Krispy Kremes. How are you guys doing? Uh, what's good, Gio? What's good, Jake? It's nice to be here. Uh, yeah, uh, pretty good right now. Glad we were finally able to get uh, this session in. No thanks to you, Tony. Uh, but uh, Ryan, you came through in the clutch, and we were able to get everybody together. Um, first things first, I wanted to go around. And uh, I very much wanted to say it was a great season, another year playing with all of you guys. I'm probably way too into it, as some of you have reminded me. Ryan, me for sending him trade offers at like 12 o'clock at night. You know, those are times that I just want, you know, females to text me, honestly. It's, it, well, we all have hopes and dreams, but it's like, Jake hopes he'll win the league one day. You hope you'll have a woman talk to you, like. Yeah. Listen, (laughs) me winning the league is an actual possibility. Ryan is just hoping for miracles. This is, you know what? You're right. You're absolutely right, Jake. Forgive me. Yeah, well, you know. (laughs) Well, uh, what we did want to do was go ahead and say congratulations. Um, I went 12-1, and and you destroyed me in the Super Bowl, Alan. So, very well done. Um, Ryan, right here, we were talking. You were saying what? Like, how you, you asked me how many years had Allen been in the league? Yeah, it just seemed like the other day that we were uh, all sitting in. He drafted Lennon Fournette number one, and it's not he's not even on this team anymore. From 0-13 to 10-3 in your first season, from 10-3 to 12-1, but that wasn't good enough. You had to go ahead and go get that championship title way to like change your team way to change the league and i think you've made it better for all of us having another really active owner so uh from me i wanted to say congratulations alan most definitely congrats yeah for sure uh honestly from the beginning i thought that uh it uh that he was gonna win it from the beginning because i'm sitting right here i mean he did. Uh, he did come out with a good start it was almost like too good to be true because he's like new to the league so it was like, I don't want to say historic because that's not the word I'm looking for, but it was 
it was nice because it was like kind of like seeing like a rookie team. I, I think historic might be a decent way to put it. it. It really puts it into perspective for other owners, I think, to, to see like, hey, you can take a, a terrible team in a bad spot. Like if you really uh, try and put, put forth effort and make moves, you can turn your team not just into a contender, but into a champion. Well, speaking of making moves, um, Alan's team destroyed Giovanni so hard that he had to go away and trade away all his players try for a, for a better season Dude, next I was I was not okay with losing. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I need to change everything. That, I, that says something. Uh, how many years have we been doing the Dynasty League now? So this is our fourth season. Yeah. Um, so we have 2015 was our first season. Uh, that's when we drafted the startup. 2016 Definitely. was our second season. 2017 was our third season. 2018, this past year, was our fourth one. So we're right now in the offseason, I guess, we're going to be entering our fifth season. So you could say that right now we basically have our Mount Rushmore. There you uh, go. Teams. Absolutely. We have our four We have our four champions. Because we have four different champions every year, right? Uh, or did yeah. you win twice? I, I've won twice. Okay. Uh, Austin has won once and yeah. Alan has won once. Okay, so we're, so we're working on that fourth person. There you go. Yeah, it could be any one of us next year. What, it's gonna be me. Uh, it's it's it, it might actually. I don't know. I don't want to say no. Um, if you guys don't mind me asking, what you guys think of Alan's year? Was there was there something that stood out to you, uh, or something that that you really liked that he did? Um, you know, honestly, this might. I'm gonna get into a little bit more of this later. Um, but I know that personally, I had a few talks with uh, Alan for for trade conversations. Um, and I I talked to only a few GMs this year. Um, not gonna name all of them because that's confidential. Um, <laughs> you know, I try to keep a, a pretty you know strict profile of, of that. But the fact of the matter is, he he was definitely tried to keep in the loop of everything. And some of the, uh, even though I never fabricated a, a trade with him, just seeing how active he was, especially one in particular, which I will get to later. Um, I think that definitely solidified his uh, road to to glory this year. Absolutely, I think there's so much to be said for being active, and and Allen definitely took a took a huge role. I think uh, he didn't always respond immediately, but he always made sure to respond. And I think like that's that's a huge thing, and it made his team better because he was he was trying to work on it. Do you, you have anything you say you wanted to say about Allen's season before we move on, Jake? Um, I guess I would just have to say the like pretty much same words as you're saying, uh, Gio. Um. All in all, I just respect his entire like team management. He he took on a team and uh, he went for it. He didn't just like uh, you know take somewhat. I, I can't remember the, the the last team owner who who had him. I, I it was uh, no, that wasn't Eric's team. Uh, it was worse than that. I don't I don't remember off the top of my head. I think it might have been Betancourt or something. Oh okay. So then yeah, a, a team that was like uh, <laughs> lacking in ownership or or involvement. Um, uh, some people might have been, uh, I guess, uh, uh, not skeptical, but uh, uh, wary of it. And uh, but uh, yeah, I just appreciate the the entire like work ethic and like all of that. Just he he, he went full in, uh, uh, put in his investments, all his chips, and you know he came out on top. So I completely respect that. Hey, so once again, congratulations, Alan. We're proud of you. Very well done. Good job, man. So now that I told you how good of a job you did, allow me to tell you why I don't think you're going to do it again. Um, so I, I went ahead, this, this next section right here that we're going to talk about on the podcast, uh, I, I spent some time working on this. And what I did was I went through and I compared everybody's game by game, everybody's schedule against each other. And I got everybody's average scoring 
um, that they did on a week-to-week basis. And then I put that up against every single game that they played. I also checked uh, record comparisons and points forced uh, compared to points against. And I came up with a list from 1 to 16 of who had the easiest schedule to who had the hardest schedule. Now, this incorporates those three factors. It incorporates record, um, average points scored, and then total points scored. And there's some interesting things in here. Um, Did you guys get a chance? Ryan, you got a chance to look at this. Jake, you guys got a chance to look at some of the data I showed you? Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm looking at it right now. Um, You you made it very easy for us by having the, the teams ranked overall. Yeah. Wow, I would have never known. I know, right? You you wouldn't you wouldn't even think some of those things when you when you look at it. And um, I guess I don't want to let the cat out of the bag with the entire rankings, but uh, I'd want us to go through here. So at number six, uh, pardon me, at number sixteen, we have no surprise. Um, Jake, I, honestly, I think you're blowing up your team this year was good because when we look at it, your opponents on average were scoring twenty percent more against you than they were against anybody else. You face the most amount of playoff teams and the highest uh, the highest scoring record against you on a week-to-week basis. So according to all the data, you had the hardest schedule in the league. So even if you had kept your team together, guess what would have happened? Uh, still would have failed. <laughs> so that, that 1 in 16, I mean that 1 in uh, one in 13 doesn't look so bad now. Um, so Jake... Uh, you had the hardest schedule. Francisco, I've got good news for you. Francisco is one of our newer owners. Thank you for joining us as well. Uh, I wouldn't say that you're as active as Alan, but I think you are trying, and I, and I feel like uh, you're learning and getting into it, and I think we're really glad to have you in the league. I think you've been a great addition. Um, you may have felt hard done this season. You had the f- second hardest schedule, so you're at rank 15, with 16 being the hardest and one being the easiest. You were at number 15. So right there, there's something you shouldn't be worried about. You keep building your team, keep yourself uh, growing, and maybe your schedule gets easier as other stuff changes. Number 14 is where I'd, I'd like to talk to you, Ryan. Who's sitting there at number 14 with the fourteen with the third hardest schedule? Apparently my team, and I'll, I'll tell you, I felt every loss that came my way. I'll tell you that. Oh. You made a decision somewhere in the season to kind of punt on the season, it, it seemed like. Yeah, um... Sometimes you, I I don't think my teams have ever had great success. Um, one I I definitely overachieved and made a Super Bowl. I ultimately lost to Austin that year. Uh, however, the fact that I made it there, I had high hopes for the continuing seasons, but have have only done subpar or par at best. And so this turned out to be one of those seasons that I, it just it didn't come through for me. Um, I have a lot. I had a lot of players that were on the same team. You don't really want too much of that, and I decided the to bears. The bears. It just kind of <laughs> happened. It's, I mean, uh huh. Don't know how that happened. Don't know how that happened. Well, you you just get to a point where it's either you keep trying or or you don't. And I remember I made a trade with Mikey because I was was trying um, for I think it was Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah. And that trade was he did well for my team, but my team still wasn't succeeding. So it sucked, but it is what it is. It's interesting, though, that you say, like, that you reach that point where you're like, hey, my team's not succeeding. Maybe one of the reasons why you felt that way was because you were consistently hitting. I I think um, I did. It went it went in descending percentages. So I think you were you were a little bit less than 20 percent. But people were scoring higher against you and you were facing teams that scored higher on average than other teams. So, like. 
you you feeling bad about your team and maybe wanting to change it or like, hey, well, maybe next year is my year. That might just have ended up being because of the schedule. Um, our next ones are, are pretty simple. Jason and Arturo both had bad years, but uh, I feel like sometimes that can be chalked up to their teams being bad, but, but also they had a tougher schedule. Uh, 11 is the one I want to focus on. So at 13, we had Jason. 12, we had Arturo. 11, he faced people on average who were scoring uh, 10 to 15% higher than they would on average, and he faced a lot of points every week. So his difference is that, uh, well, I'm just going to go ahead and tell everybody, this is Ruben's team, Ruben De Loeda. Ruben is the only team to make it into the playoffs despite not having a top seven easiest schedule. So everybody else that made it into the playoffs had an easier schedule. That, I think that says a lot for Ruben. I think after Ruben destroyed me in week one, we had high hopes for him. And, and there was a lot to be seen for such a good team. And then he made some trades. His team was a powerhouse, but he had some losses. But those losses might not have happened had he been playing other people. So he's the only team to not have a top seven easiest schedule and still somehow make it into the playoffs. Ruben was scoring a lot this year, and I think we need to watch out because he could push into the top four next year. Right, and I'd like to add that um, even though, again, I've never been able to really make a trade with Ruben, I know that he was active on that, and uh, he never. it's never good to be complacent with your team. You always try to figure out ways to to improve it, even though his were a little bit minor. We'll we'll get more into that later, but the fact that he kept making moves, even though he had a great team already, um, again, the active owners um, usually prosper. All right, you're absolutely right. Um, coming up next on our list uh, is Jesus at number 10. And then we have our first tie. Austin and John had a tie uh, between the overall data points. Uh, I have John ranked lower because of the total points uh, that were scored uh, against him uh, were less than the total points scored against Austin. Uh, Austin felt hard done that he didn't make it into the playoffs, but he was just right in the middle of the road. So an easier schedule could get him into the playoffs the next year or a harder one could push him out. Um, and we have number seven. Gio sat there at number seven, so he did face some tough opponents, but he was in the upper half of the league and easiest. The one I have to say uh, say something to is number six. Johnny Garcia, you had the sixth easiest schedule, and you were nowhere near the playoffs. No offense, man. We love you. Um, but I guess it just uh, you you were hard done by injuries and a couple things that we'll talk about later. But it just just goes to show that maybe uh, uh, one or two more good players on your team and you might be able to take advantage of that easy schedule. We have a three way tie for number three. Two of them made it into the playoffs: Tony and Giancarlo. Giancarlo had a record setting season coming out of nowhere. Emilio was the other one. That means Emilio, if you had just tried. If you had just set your lineups like with, with a top three easiest schedule, you could have made it in. You could, with, with players like Russell Wilson and Alvin Kamara on your team, you could have, you could have been able to, to score some awesome points, get a few wins, maybe even change up the playoff landscape because nobody wants a free win when they're playing against somebody who hasn't set their lineup. So um, just to chime in a little bit, um, I kind of want to track back to um, an example between Giancarlo's team and Johnny's team. Um, I, Johnny's team is an example of what happens when injuries don't favor you. A lot of times in, in, in these sports, you have uh, players that go out, and if they're the starters, the backups come in, and that's where Giancarlo's team, I think, uh, particularly with the Atlanta halfback situation, I think that um, injury 
to um, who was who's the starting Devontae Freeman. Freeman was what uh, was able to help John Carlo uh, take that next level and make it into the playoffs. So um, it's unfortunate uh, for some teams, fortunate for others, and I, I want to. I just think that's a that's a case of that. Absolutely, I think I think you're totally right. For our last two, though, we have to say something. So, Alan, you may have gone twelve and one. Mikey had the second easiest schedule. Mikey's in the playoffs every year. So those of you who are in Mikey's division, if you're able to pump your teams up, uh, that might change. Alan, that means that you won the Super Bowl. I can never take that away from you. But I think your division is getting better. I think people are going to be trying harder. I think uh, some of your divisional opponents are, are realizing that, hey, they can do exactly what you did and turn their team around. And since you had the number one easiest schedule last year, I think that you may not be able to repeat. I'm pretty sure you'll make it back into the playoffs because your team is stacked. Um, but I don't know if you'll be able to repeat the exact same way or have such a record-setting season at 12-1 and with only one loss. So just a little bit of, uh, of harder data for you guys to look at. Um, the, uh, the amount of points. Alan, you, people that were playing against you scored on average 22% less points. Uh, than they did when they were playing other people, and you score, and you had a, a smaller amount of points scored against you than other people did. Um, so just just goes to show that uh, every every little bit that we try uh, changes this league because uh, a few points here and a few points there, putting uh, putting a guy in for somebody who's injured can ch- can change a game, can change a week, can change the whole season because it it affects all the other teams around you. Um, that being said, I know we were kind of dancing around uh, maybe some of the some of the topics, some of the things we wanted to say, because I did want to ask you guys uh, this next segment. We we'd like to talk about the top five moments uh, of the season, um, spending time maybe it's a little recap of the year, but also like what you enjoyed, what you didn't enjoy, uh, things that stuck out to you in your mind. I'd like us to go. Maybe we'll start with Ryan. You can share. One of your points, then Jake, and then myself, and then we'll keep going back around until we reach maybe our number one uh, point for everybody. Um, do you want to start us off, Ryan? Yeah, um, I'll just start with something that hits a little bit closer to home. Um, I was talking to Giovanni about this uh, a little earlier, and I couldn't help but notice the landscape of our of our football, our our fantasy football changed. Um, in years prior, if you were to able if you're able to score within the 180 200 range, your teams were considered really good. Now it seems like the teams that are really good are scoring above and beyond that, and I think that's a testimony also to how the league is um, is is changing too in the NFL. And I think that that's where I'm going to start off with just something of a little insight that that I kind of gleaned that really affected the season. Absolutely. If, if the whole NFL changed and we had some oddities in scoring, but I think, I, I don't know, people point to all sorts of different things, but I really think that the, uh, the roughing the passer rule change made a big difference. Offenses all across the NFL had longer drives, stuff was getting sustained, um, and with receivers able to do so much without getting hit, uh, it means that offenses are being more efficient, and I think it kept some drives open longer and let people score. Um, so that's a that's a pretty big that's a pretty big thing that affected uh, not just our league but the NFL. What about you, Jake? Um, well, first off, just want to do a little disclaimer. All these top five moments they're not ranked whatever. These are just the first top five moments that I I can remember because like there's so much that goes on in the dynasty 
uh, fantasy football, and then on top of that, the NFL. So, like, I don't remember everything. So I'm pretty sure there's other stuff that's, like, way more important than all the stuff that I'm about to say. But it's important to you. Okay. Yes, these are important <laughs> to me. But uh, I guess uh, one of them would be is the – what I thought was interesting was all the excessive um, – starting uh tight end positions all the like uh big names they were all getting injured and out for like um very like big games and like a bunch of them were um on like a week-to-week basis some of them are gone were down for the entire season um it got down to i think it was like halfway through the nfl season the top five um tight ends they were talking about to have on your fantasy roster and three of them were on my roster so i just thought that was pretty interesting and those guys were yeah they were starters but they're not they weren't like big name uh you know uh all-stars or anything but yeah like you know Jerry they still yeah we, exactly. last year we maybe wouldn't have wanted them but yeah but this year they like it it made a difference because if you lacked on that position i saw a lot of different games in our league if you were lacking in that position um that uh ultimately cost you um that week or that game i i actually i think you're absolutely right the tight end position this year was like one of the most polarizing if you had one of the top couple of guys you were good if you didn't usually you before you might be okay getting like 10 something points from your guy this year you were getting one or two points from your guy I think it's something that held players like Austin and Tony and Mikey back, that they don't have a difference maker. Um, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I think Travis Kelsey uh, helped me get into the playoffs, just having a difference maker at that position. And the fact that Allen had Zach Ertz, so Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz were neck and neck all the way to the end of the year as number one and two tight ends right there. Um, But having that difference maker at that position, I think you're right. It it made a huge difference. compared to other teams who maybe didn't have that and with other people going down and stuff. Uh, Number five, speaking about Mikey having a difference maker at a position, uh, my number five moment um, that I have as my, my, uh, I guess, uh, something that was impactful but not maybe as much as it could have been, but I think it definitely could have changed the year, was uh, just just a month after uh, the draft that we had uh, in, in May, Darius Juice... Uh, the running back, or Darius Geis, however you want to pronounce it, uh, tore his ACL in training camp, running some individual drills. And Mikey lost what was one of his high first-round draft picks. He made some moves to have quite a few picks, knowing that he was going to get some good running backs, and he lost one. So I think Mikey's year could have been different. Maybe he doesn't make a different trade. Um, For instance, uh, Mikey's trade to Allen, where he traded Aaron Jones and Mike Evans, for Leonard Fournette, I think Allen sold so high on Leonard Fournette, and I think Mikey sold really low on Mike Evans and Aaron Jones. I think Mike Evans and Aaron Jones helped carry Allen to the to the Super Bowl, but I'm not sure Mikey makes that trade if he still has Darius Juice starting, If especially when we see what Adrian Peterson was able to do with the Redskins at, at like, what, 33 years old? Imagine what, what an all-star running back like Darius Geis might have been able to do. So that was one of my moments. Uh, another one for you, Ryan? Um, I'm going to take it back to the beginning of, of our season where um, Jonathan made the trade with, with Ruben. Um, yeah, the Bill I, and Gordon trade. Yeah, I think that was one that, at the time, uh, 
I, I'm glad that both of them came away with uh, with high hopes. Um, I, I know talking to a few in the league, uh, Rube, felt that Ruben had won that trade because he got the bigger star. Um, however, I, seeing how it played out, we, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, I'm not sure if Jonathan would make that move again. Um, if he would, kudos to him. But I think that definitely changed the landscape, especially for, for Ruben's uh, uh, season, seeing as to how everything went with Johnny's team. You know, I'm willing, I'm willing to go ahead and eat crow. I thought Johnny got the better end of that deal. I, I thought, I, I said A.J. Green alone is worth more than Melvin Gordon. Um, but A.J. Green got hurt again. Kenyon Drake didn't show up. He he had a he had an up and down boom bust performance and his busts his booms weren't even that good, uh, and now AJ Green and Kenyon Drake aren't even on Johnny's team anymore, and Melvin Gordon helped Ruben despite having uh, one of the top five hardest schedules. It helped him score enough that he was still able to make it into the playoffs. So I think that's you're you're right, Ryan. That was pretty impactful. Yeah, and on top of that, we see how each of those teams fared. Um, in the NFL. Yeah. And so all of that, I mean, we didn't really see the Bengals tailing off of that bad. Um, <laughs> but just, yeah, it just wasn't pretty for, for real life or, or fantasy for those teams. Absolutely. You know, I, did, I didn't believe in Melvin Gordon, but it looks like he's going to continue to be like a super-duper workhorse. The Chargers are going to keep feeding him, and, the, and their offense looks better than it's ever looked. Uh, I mean, minus like the LT years, but like in, in, the, in, the, in recent history, it, it looks a lot better. Another another uh, moment for you, Jake, that comes to mind. Uh, another one that I have is the uh, just that one week where uh, I think it was my single win. <laughs> the only reason why I bring it up is because that single win was against Tony, and Tony was one of the players or one of the teams as considered as a contender and went into Absolutely. the playoffs. So my trash team. <laughs> <laughs> a playoff team so i mean uh, that's just that that was just another moment that i saw that i was like oh wow like you know like couldn't believe um it was kind of bittersweet because obviously i do want to have that first overall uh pick uh for that rookie draft that we're gonna have and uh but uh it's nice to have a win again especially against someone that has you know a pretty uh a prominent team with some elite players. Yeah, I think I think Tony's got a really good team. I, I think you you changed seating too. Uh, it, it maybe it didn't work out the exact way it could have, but it came down to 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 pretty much the end there where either Tony or Austin could have gotten in. Um, and maybe if Austin had won another game, your win against Tony would have been it would have been an important factor. Unfortunately, Austin didn't. Actually, that's my uh, that's my next one in week eleven. Austin beat John Wiley. Uh, he beat him by, was it, 0.79 points? And, and Austin was so happy because it meant he could still make it into playoffs, except for one thing. On, on Tuesday morning when we looked at the standings, John Wiley had won and not Austin. Zach Brown, uh, the, the middle linebacker that Austin had started for the Washington Redskins, had, uh, had a tackle for loss taken away from him. So that's 1.5 points taken away. And that means Austin lost by, uh, I think it was like 0.7 now that he lost by. Um, that changed Austin's season right there. If he had won that game, he would have been fighting for a playoff spot up, up to the very end. Uh, but that put him back just enough 
that when that when week uh, 12 and 13 rolled around, it was too late for him uh, to squeeze in because of John Carlo and Ruben's records. So I, I just think it, it's so interesting that like one little decision about a linebacker can change your playoff hopes. So I thought that was pretty impactful uh, for somebody who's been to the postseason every year up to this point. Uh, just throwing it out there, Austin had been to the playoffs every single year, and he got knocked out this year. Statgate part two. Never know. I, can, we, do, can we have a vote on that, Ryan? Ryan, what Statgate? Oh, part. This would be part two, maybe. There, there is no Statgate. Um, Ryan, you're just sore about losing. Um, excuse me. That was probably the biggest aberration I have ever seen in fantasy football in my life. It was four points. It was more than that. It was, <laughs> I it was, went back and looked at it. It was four points. Yeah, you got four <laughs> points. I lost points too. No, you. I, I gained four. You lost one. Oh. And that was, so it was a five. It, it was a five point swing. Uh, felt like more <laughs> at that time, buddy. Moving on. Um, all right, you got a, you got another moment for me? Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't even know uh, how I would rank the previous ones comparatively, but I'm just kind of go- going with as I I guess conjure them up. One that I believe affected the person season right in front of me, Giovanni's. Um, oh, don't don't say mine. Oh, say it. Go ahead. Don't the moment you. that you lost. Kadeem Hunt. I have that as my number two moment. Does that, do you have that on your list too, Jake? Uh, no, I don't actually. It's all of my picks are are completely different, actually. Cool. I I, I believe that that changed the landscape of, of Giovanni's uh, of season. Yeah. Um, hunting for that third. I mean, he made it all the way. Made it. Um, only to lose to our our now champion Allen. Well, congrats again. But definitely seeing a, a dynasty overthrown. Is something to uh, something to be hold of, but at the same time, seeing how certain things happen throughout the season, it, it's it's unfortunate. Obviously, these things are out of people's controls, um, except for the person involved, and we don't want to promote such actions again. But uh, Cream Hunt, you're an idiot. <laughs> uh, let's be nice, but it definitely did change this season for Giovanni. I I absolutely agree. Cream Hunt was averaging 24 points per game. That's Kareem Hunt. I always say Kadeem. I, I don't know. Kadeem Carey? Kadeem Carey? Okay. Oh. Uh, so Kareem Hunt Kareem. was averaging 24 points per game uh, in the Super Bowl against Allen. I have two running back slots that I need to start a running back in. I started one running back. I had no other running back on my roster that was starting. Um, so I just took a zero at the spot, and I ended up losing to Allen by like nine points. So who knows? Uh, like Kareem Hunt being there could have got me twenty. Uh, a starting running back, if I had still had one on my roster, could have gotten me eight or nine. Who knows? That that makes the game go a different way. Um, so I have that. Uh, Jake, another moment from you. Uh, another one that I have is um, just the. Uh, I, I guess it's just finding out um, uh, with all the. The different years, because um, we've been doing a bunch of trades about uh, uh, different picks for like 2020, 2019, 2021. And then just looking at the chart, I just noticed uh, that uh, Mikey and Tony basically traded away their entire, uh, the entire future. But yes. what the thing is with Mikey is that <laughs> I under, okay, I understand the strategy of, uh, trading away your entire future and banking on but the thing is you're trying to bank on the current year because you're making a push to win it mikey was trading away his entire future and didn't make it like 
at all. He didn't even come close. Like, didn't come close to, to making it. Got to playoffs at least, but not further than that. I mean, the players that he picked up were – a lot of the trades that he tr- traded away were players that w- were essentially hurting him. Uh, I guess that, that could uh, tie in with the, with the moment that you were saying earlier about um, – the whole Leonard Fournette and yeah, Mike the Evans thing, I think yeah. that was what uh, impacted a lot. And Mikey kept making somewhat sort of trades like that. And then now, for the next, what, three years? Three years, he has no picks. I mean, uh, obviously, you know, time and, you know, he can pick up players and make trades on on getting some picks back and, you know, uh, picking up some rookies in the draft, but... I mean, training away your entire future just to make one round of p- playoffs? Yeah, but you know what? Um, he's in Buffalo now. However, I don't know. Maybe maybe the, um, since he wouldn't be able to physically make it here, it might be better that he doesn't have the picks. Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh-huh. I actually told Mikey, and he was like, well, it's a good thing I don't have any picks. Um, but, uh, no, I th- thank you for bringing that up, Jake. I think that's important for us to see that, like, some of these moves, like, if you, if you guys look at the – if you guys follow the link and look at the draft picks spreadsheet – you'll see that a couple of teams have sold out on the future. Um, they have, have, sold, have, have sold away their future trying to sell out and win now. Um, there's a couple teams that have balanced, and then there are teams that are on the opposite end of that spectrum that have said, I'm not going to win now. Give me the future. Uh, teams who are acquiring picks. And, and I happen to think that being in that middle ground, that balance of having a team that's competing right now, maybe not being the best, but competing right now, because we always see once you get to playoffs, it, that's all that matters, right? You, you never know what's going to happen. But also still having a amount of picks in the future that can carry you. I think that's where we want to go. I'm down to my, my top one. My, my number one most impactful moment of the season. Um, do you guys want to you guys want to share yours first? Your number one? I'm definitely going to chime in here. Okay. Um, just, ahead, just because we've all brought it up. Um, that trade between uh, uh, Mikey and Alan... <sighs> Dang, that's so all of us had that. That on was our my top num- five. That, that was my personal number. That was one, your personal number. Which is why one. I was holding on to it and kind of holding back. No, talk um, about it. Tell me. So talking to to Mikey on that, um, I'm this league's Woj, by the way. Um, <laughs> don't know what that means. You explained it to me earlier and I still don't know what it means. Uh, anyways. Um, he felt comfortable trading away uh, Mike Evans because he had um, the trade that I just made with him for, for Sony Michelle and uh, for uh, Kenan Allen, so he felt like his receivers were were in the were in the lock, and that he needed uh, another running back, and probably the trickle effect that you're mentioning with the Darius Geis. So, yeah. um, but just taking away from Mikey, just focusing on on Allen's team, I think that uh, that sort of player, even though he wasn't on the best team, they they just feed him the ball, and on top of that, getting um, Aaron Jones from from the Packers, while even though their season was kind of lost, they, they fed him too. So, again, you just never know what trades will affect the season until they happen, um, I, I, but that was my number one. No, that, I think it was huge. I think I think that made Allen's year. It's solidified uh, it. Yeah, it, it gave him that, that what, what he'd been missing. So he had Stephon Diggs, and, and Stephon Diggs is, is explosive, but Stephon Diggs is not – it's not super consistent. So Mikey said that Mikey said the same thing about Mike Evans. Mikey said, I don't want Mike Evans because he's boomer bust. He's inconsistent. And while that may be true game to game, Mike Evans is in his, has just, has just finished his first, his fourth year in the NFL. Every single one of those years, 
he scored he's he's had over a thousand yards and over five touchdowns like Mike Evans has just has been a picture of consistency as far as season wide scoring and adding that type of uh, that type of player a, a top 10 dynasty pick overall to your team for Leonard Fournette who I mean granted he was he's a great running back but who who has been plagued by injury issues I I think Allen had a huge deal in it and it changed Allen and Mikey's years and that's the other thing I forgot to touch on is Leonard Fournette's injury he's only been in the league for two years but for as much potential as he has he has not lived up to it in that in that manner because he can't stay healthy they say that uh your best ability is what availability (laughs) that's true I mean that's how teams stay current and in the NFL and in fantasy too it's true. What about you, Jake? Your top moment of the year? Top moment. Um, Despite you saying earlier that you were not going to rank them, you have to. <laughs> Yikes. I don't really have a top moment. Um, I don't know. I guess uh, just the fact – actually, what was surprising to me was just uh, the fact that uh, GK just came out of nowhere. Just the fact that GK, John Carlo. yeah, just GK just came out of nowhere and like made it to he made it to playoffs, right? I yep. Remember, but. That was yeah, literally absolutely. my uh, other thing too in my mind. Yeah, nice. I, so I thought he's of that like, too. yeah, he just like came out of nowhere, like didn't really for the past like couple of years he didn't really like make uh, like you know a whole lot of communication. Granted, he's across the across America, whatever you know. And then, like, for, at some South point, Carolina. he was in Italy this year, yeah. I think. He got, he, just... he got pushed out of South Carolina because of um, uh, weather issues. And still won and went to the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Still, still went to the playoffs. Like, you know, did his steady, you know, uh, not gaining, like, picks. or just did his steady, like, pickups of uh, rookies or, like, some free agents maybe here and there or whatever. And, like, kind of just, like, snuck his way through and like no one I, Nobody I, saw I, that didn't, coming. I didn't think anyone saw that coming I no, didn't see it same. coming at all and it was crazy like he came up and it got it was, it was funny to me because it, it got uh, Austin worried just hearing the just seeing in the group chat Austin yeah. like uh, basically banking on everyone else's game to help him out get into the playoffs which was fun I, I thought it was funny too. It was good moment it, 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 I think that's very true I think a GK making it all the way. We talked about it before. We were talking about uh, we we're talking about the different teams that might make it to like coach of the year or something. Just the fact that GK did. Um, now I know it's the off season already, but I do want to throw it out there. GK went like his first two years without making any moves, and this past year at the rookie draft, he made a move. It didn't end up working out for either side really. Like it was pretty much it was just a wash because uh, Mike, the player Mikey got, wasn't even that good, and, and um, Corey Coleman. Uh, didn't end up doing, and Josh Doxson didn't end up doing anything for for GK, but he made a move. But then he went out this off season and did and got what he didn't have. So he had Christian McCaffrey, solid stud, carry your team. James White, Tevin Coleman, Duke Johnson. He's got he's got some good running backs there. He did not have a receiver. He went and got himself a stud receiver. He got he uh, young, maybe maybe unproven, maybe has his flaws. But he went and picked up what he was missing, having a true number one receiver on his team. He got Amari Cooper, somebody who can win a week for you, especially now in Dallas. So I think uh, GK was on the up last year. I think he's going to even get even better as we come up because he's still got some picks coming. So Still a, um, one of those type of players that um, definitely made a difference in Dallas, but we'll see how they use him moving forward, um, especially with the changes that are going on in Dallas. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. Jason Garrett gets to be there for another year, but we'll see if they can be more uh, 
have, a, have, a, have their offensive line healthy um, all season, and, and we'll see what they can do. So this one's going to sound uh, super biased, but my number one moment of the season is a, is a compilation of moments. So uh, when Darius Juice went down, that was my number five moment. I mentioned that. Geo wasted like 50 fab dollars on uh, Samaj P. Ryan. Exactly. Samaj P. Ryan. Like he's he's like just like a turd with like feet. Like he just well, actually doesn't he just rolls. Like he I don't know, he I thought he might get starting snaps, then they signed Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson had an amazing season, whatever. Then we connect that to uh number two, Kareem Hunt being uh being suspended. Gio had no running back. Gio had no fab dollars in the week of the Super Bowl, week 16, to pick up running backs. Allen picked up four players that were free agents and started them in the Super Bowl. Those flair players combined scored 42 points. One of them was a running back, Zach Zenner for Detroit. Gio was going to bid on him the week before, but had no money. Allen won Zach Zenner for $1.00. Zach Zenner scored 10 points in that game. Do you guys remember earlier what I said about how much I lost by? So all props to Allen. Allen picked up Rasul Douglas, a free agent corner. Who picks up a corner? Rasul Douglas scored 16 points. He had a he had amazing tackles that game. He's he picked up a, a defensive tackle. He picked up Zach Zenner and he picked up one other player. I don't I don't have them all right here off the top of my head. But those pickups just showing that an active owner not letting himself take a zero at any spot on his team saying, Hey, you know what? I already have a corner. This corner's going I think is going to do better. Russell Douglas had two good weeks in a row. Nobody else picked him up. Allen took him and I couldn't, I had wasted my money on an early season pickup and I didn't have those dollars. And, uh, I, I'm, I guess I'm just trying to come up with reasons why I lost, <laughs> but Allen, congratulations. I, I think you being savvy, being smart, being seeing trends, seeing free agents uh, available, um, and going and getting them, and not being willing to take a zero or take less points at any one of your positions, it, it's the reason you won, and it's the reason you're our champion. Thank you guys for sharing those moments. It's a nice way to like recap the season, but also see how like from different perspectives, different things affect the league. But it's funny how all of us were able to come back to certain moments, like Kareem Hunt or Mike Evans, Mikey's moves for the future, stuff like that that changed the whole landscape of our entire league. Uh, speaking of changing the landscape of our league, uh, we have a few awards to give out to those teams that did. Now, we've already talked about how Allen won the league, and I, I think n nothing more can be said about that. You're, you're our champion, you won the title, congratulations. You did amazing. On to the next one. Um, but we have two awards that we give out every year. We have our MVP award, our most valuable player. That goes to the team who scored the most points throughout the whole season. And we have our coach of the year. So um, for our coach of the year, there's not really any true criteria. There's just a decision that's made about who really improved their team or, or took it to the next level as a manager, really trying to make their team better. I know that when we, when we recorded last time, we had a couple of nominees. We had Jake Beltran for turning his team from, uh, from a consistent bottom dweller to deciding, hey, I'm not going to do this anymore. I want my team to be, be better, even if it's not this season. Getting tons of picks, uh, acquiring a whole new roster, basically. We had Allen Villagran also changing his team uh, into a Super Bowl contender. 
but I think Allen's not going to be in the conversation for Coach of the Year, seeing as how he was able to take his team to the championship and win. Our other nominee is the one that received the votes from our panel of judges. And Giancarlo Mondragon, we are so happy to have you in the league. We miss you in North Carolina. Congratulations, Giancarlo Mondragon, the Seacoast Dynasty League 2018 Coach of the Year. Um, I just want to comment on something that um, I was talking to Giancarlo with at the beginning of the season. Um, I was trying to ship around a player. And a lot of times been talking about trades that did happen. I want to talk about a trade that didn't happen between me and Giancarlo. It was one that could have very well changed both our seasons. Uh, one that could have propelled mine and one that could have definitely kept his at the bottom. Um, and it just shows that sometimes sticking to your guns, um, knowing what trades are good for your team and what trades aren't, are a true mark of, of, a, of a good coach. So congrats, Giancarlo. And it sucks I didn't get those players. But from a purely football perspective, congratulations. That's true. Giancarlo did not want to give up any of his players, but he was willing in, in certain instances. He, he made pickups all throughout the year. He drafted well. And because of that, uh, for two seasons, three seasons, he's drafted in the top and like very high because he's had bad years. All uh-huh. those picks started to come through. Christian McCaffrey turned into a huge stud. Uh, he had other contributors all throughout the season. Some of his defensive pickups, uh, low-key, everybody, Giancarlo might be one of the best defensive coaches. I know every time I, I read articles and I'm looking at snap counts and I'm seeing things and I'm like, all right, man, this defensive player is going to be good. Uh, let me go pick him up. He's already on Giancarlo's team. That happened five times last season. So Giancarlo, Giancarlo's making some savvy pickups. Don't know where he's getting his info from, but uh, good job, our 2018 Coach of the Year. Now, most points forced or most points scored uh, by about a 100-point margin um, was my team, Giovanni Montenegro. So um, we're going to go ahead and give that. Don't want don't to speak too much on that. More so congratulations to Allen, uh, our, our title winner, our champion, and uh, uh, Giancarlo, our coach of the year. I guess I'll just speak because uh, obviously Gio doesn't want to speak about his own team. But, again, I referred to his team of the dynasty earlier, and it's true. Um, uh, uh, Two championships in four years. Yeah, that's that's really good. Um, considering that a lot of teams haven't even won yet. So, congrats. Um, we'll see what this year brings, considering the changes that have been made to your team so far. But it's going to be an exciting one. Uh, pure respect for uh, Giancarlo and Gio. But uh, there's a lesson to be learned about the MVP award or whatever most Bad points idea. most points you score in the league or whatever. You can score all the points you want. Doesn't mean you're gonna win the the Super Bowl. So, absolutely. Actually, um, we've only had one year where the most valuable player and the Super Bowl winner were the same team. Um, that was Austin in 2016. So, Coach of the Year cannot be won, but Most Valuable Player can just because it, it that one is literally just whoever has the most points scored. So, uh, year one, Mikey won uh, Most Valuable Player. He had the most points scored, but he lost the Super Bowl. Austin was able to do it year two. Um, year three, I believe it was Tony uh, because I, I didn't have the most points scored, but I was able to win the Super Bowl. And then this year, um, it goes to me, but I faced that uh, humiliating defeat to Allen in the end. All right, guys, thank you. It's been, it was a great year. Um, you have your coach of the year. You have your MVP. And most of all, we have our title winner. It was a great season. Uh, this is our first episode of the Off Season Podcasts where you look have some more coming up 
Uh, keep your uh, keep your ears tuned. Keep your notifications on. We're going to be having a, a special interview uh, hosted by Ryan um, regarding some of the trades that happened in this season. We're going to be recording some team-by-team profiles. Uh, we'll even have some mock drafts and some rookie info for you guys coming out uh, prior to the, the rookie draft in uh, in may that that's pretty much what we have our, our magazine will be coming out in june but i want everybody it's at the top of the chat may 27th is the rookie draft go ahead and make arrangements as soon as you can we'd love to have you there in person um with enough time as this you know in, in barring emergency I, I would say there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to be there uh, of course stuff happens we understand and you know and and, and like like this this game is never going to come before life uh, especially spiritual things. Um, but if you can make it, we'd love to have you there trying to get everybody together. We are going to be presenting the trophy as well as the jerseys uh, to the previous year's champions and our trophy to this year's champion, Alan Villagran. So thank you guys all for a wonderful season and, and a great podcast episode. This is Ryan Carlson, GM of Two Weeb For Me. Contact me if you want all the Weeb content and more. Um, you have my phone number. Let's make some trades. Let's make some deals. Let's make a, a, another good year. And this is uh, Jake, owner of the Sandeasy Krispy Kremes. Uh, hit me up with trades. I love picks. And uh, let's, let's do another great season. And this is your host, Giovanni Montenegro. Thank you all. We'll talk to you soon. Placa, placa, como ella lo...